welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. What you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, we looked at the eight dimensions of wellness. This helpful framework encourages us to zoom out and look at our lives in a comprehensive manner to ensure we're doing all we can to support our comprehensive health and well-being in every way possible. Hopefully, you left that episode with a clear idea of what's going well in your life and which aspects might benefit from future effort. Today, we're going to take the next step in determining the best daily routine expert recommendation considerations to take into account as we develop our own unique daily routines to support our MS health. Why is this so important for us? Well, current best thinking in terms of genetics and our eventual development and diagnosis of MS is that there is a genetic predisposition to autoimmunity that is then activated at some point in our lives by an environmental factor into one of the many autoimmune conditions. This is why there are often clusters of autoimmunity in families, but not necessarily MS. While we may have a genetic disposition towards autoimmunity and are now diagnosed with MS, we don't need to passively accept our current reality as permanent because the latest data shows that genetics is only responsible for about 10%, yes, 10% of our health outcomes, meaning that the rest, 90%, can be shifted, either positively or negatively, by our lifestyle and environment. I'm curious how this lands on you. It certainly fills me with tremendous hope that I can heal to some extent and provides a hefty dose of personal responsibility so that I ensure I'm doing all I can in terms of my lifestyle habits and the environmental factors that I can control to ensure the best long-term health outcomes as someone living with MS, a progressive and currently incurable condition. So stay tuned and let's talk today about daily routine recommendations to live well with MS. My gratitude today is for our new puppy, Bernie, named after one of our favorite places, Bernie Falls, which President Theodore Roosevelt called the eighth wonder of the world. It's beautiful. Check it out if you're not familiar. We are excited about Bernie and all the good he will bring to our lives by being an important part of our family. As I started seriously compiling my notes for this episode two weeks ago, we had had Bernie less than 24 hours, and yet he had already established himself into our family members' lives and hearts. 
One of the most important things that started immediately upon his arrival home and has continued diligently for the last two weeks is tracking Bernie's previously established daily routines. As a then eight-week-old puppy and now a 10-week-old, this is fairly limited to sleeping, eating, potty, and play. Tracking puppy behavior in this way is helping us tremendously with potty training and also is helping us as a family unit to make sure all our individual needs or puzzle pieces will fit together well as time goes on. This effort will ensure that over time, for instance, that I can still do all I need to take care of myself and be able to take care of Bernie and our family. For these first few weeks and likely months, it's going to continue to be necessary that we're all a little or a lot flexible. So while we humans are sleeping less at night due to a middle of the night potty break and some adjusting to being away from my litter and sleeping in a crate alone puppy woes, we're also trying to take advantage of Bernie's downtime during the day, which offers a great opportunity for basic self-care needs like personal hygiene, cooking, meditation, and PQ. This need to be extremely flexible reminds me of how difficult it is for me to maintain my personal wellness routines when I travel. It often takes me several weeks to get back in the swing of things when there's any disruption. Experts say this is normal, and we can expect at least 21 days to get back to normalcy. This is important to remember, too, when we experience a relapse or setback. It can be very frustrating and often feels like we're starting over. This is very real for me right now, as I've regressed a bit with my high hamstring tendinosis these past few weeks, as I've needed to be more agile and flexible to keep up with the pup than I'm currently physically able to be. I'm trying really hard to keep the faith and trust that in just a few weeks, I'll be back to my normal healing trajectory at physical therapy. This magical number, 21 days, is also what's keeping me going in terms of the challenges of puppy training knowing that in just one more week, our family will be in a much better place in terms of doing what we need to honor the needs of all the members of our growing family. Okay, without further ado, let's dive into building our daily routines to support MS Wellness. Last episode, when we learned about the eight dimensions of wellness, we also learned that the definition of wellness is the state of being in good health, especially as an actively pursued goal. The actively pursued goal portion is another way of saying what we do every day to get us closer to achieving our health goals. Last episode, we also talked about our own awareness, and hopefully you left the episode with clarity on ways you'd like to achieve better health in each of the eight dimensions of wellness. I certainly have my list, and many avenues of wellness are already well underway. Ariana Huffington, the founder and CEO of Thrive Global, believes that behavior is the miracle drug for our health and that it's the only way to truly move the needle on chronic disease. Once we have personal awareness in terms of what goals we'd like to put into action, it's imperative that we develop an actual system that works for us. Why? Well, as James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, says, quote, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fail to the level of your system. So even with the greatest of goals, if we do not have a system to support their implementation, we are likely to fail rather than achieve. 
We'll talk a bit more about that momentarily. I'm curious here if any of you are like me. Sometimes I just feel stuck. I have so much I want to do that I get stuck in analysis paralysis or a state of overwhelm and struggle to know precisely where to start. There are several misunderstood episodes on simplifying life full of suggestions that have helped me a lot in this area over the past two years. And I want to take a moment to share a related quote that came across my desk this week, penned by Emily Marushian. Quote, you're not stuck. You're just committed to certain patterns of behavior because they helped you in the past. Now, these behaviors have become more harmful than helpful. The reason why you can't move forward is because you keep applying an old formula to a new level in your life. Change the formula to get a different result. So, in simple terms, the formula is our routines. Momentarily, we'll get into the recommended daily routine considerations for general health and specifically for folks like us living with MS that multiple expert sources recommend. We can use their recommendations as adjusting feedback to help guide us in the many decisions we make each day that get us either closer to or further away from our optimal health. Hopefully, in listening to these recommendations, you'll also hear some affirming feedback on all that you are already doing to support your health. Before we do that, however, I want to share just a little more about routines in general, as well as a helpful resource that might offer necessary support to those of us currently struggling in this area. As people living with MS, we know all about stress. We also know that MS feeds on stress. So having a strong stress management toolkit is really important. It's also important for us to know that according to behavior change experts, stressful situations are proven to be the most powerful teachers in our lives in that habits are formed more concretely under stressful conditions. Once we've formed a solid behavior loop in times of stress, it's much more difficult to break because these bad habits are created as ways for us to address the stressful stimuli we are experiencing. So it's no wonder why we, as folks living with chronic illness, which for the vast majority of us is highly stressful, might struggle with breaking our bad habits and replacing them with more healthy alternatives. It's also important that we acknowledge that our bad habits aren't always ours alone. We are highly influenced by our larger environmental or cultural context, our family, friends, various social groups, as well as social media, advertising, etc. Knowing this now, please free yourself from any guilt or shame you may feel about previously not being able to make desired health-supporting changes. And also know that by understanding this extra layer of challenge and utilizing tried and true ways to break these habits, we can systematically achieve our goals. If you're someone who currently struggles with goal setting, and more importantly, actually acting upon, implementing, and actualizing your goals using a systematic approach that works for you, I highly recommend a sweet little book I found recently called Better Daily Self-Care Habits, Simple Changes with Lifelong Impact by Cicely Horsham-Braithwith, PhD. 
In this book, the author offers some really helpful foundational information. She starts with sharing why our daily habits matter so much in terms of our health. And since such a significant part of changing our lifestyle habits for the better is actually stopping behaviors that don't support our health, I especially appreciated her approach to breaking a negative habit loop through a system she calls TAG. The TAG approach helps us identify the T, trigger, which is the stimuli that leads us to engage in an unhealthy behavior choice in the first place. What follows the trigger is A, the action. This action as a repetitive behavior becomes our G, gain, which could be either positive or negative. Basically, the gain is the outcome of our triggered action. So let's look at a simple example. Let's say we have a stressful relationship that is often emotionally triggering. A negative interaction with them would be the T, trigger. An A, action, we might take would be eating a candy bar or a soda to self-soothe, with the G, gain, being a short-term feeling of comfort. So, in this way, the gain is really a negative gain in terms of our health that was triggered by and acted upon as a result of a negative interaction. By mapping out our current habits in this way, using TAG, so that we deeply understand the connection between our triggers, actions, and gains, we gain valuable awareness of our triggers and can then much more easily switch gears at the trigger onset to choose a more positive action that will result in a more positive gain. The author provides multiple relevant examples, so it's easy to follow and then replicate with our own daily habits. What's also beautiful about this simple little guidebook is that it contains clear guidelines to self-assess and shift behaviors for all aspects of health. There are chapters for exercise, nutrition, relationships and community, sleep, the importance of rest, self-compassion, managing stress, and mindfulness. So it's really a short and sweet guide and workbook to aid in a complete overhaul of our lifestyle habits, and I really can't recommend it more if you are someone who would benefit from a clear and simple roadmap for lifestyle habit overhaul. Let's pivot now to talking about the overall recommended general healthy daily habits. As we do, be thinking which of these recommended habits you already do. And be sure to give yourself a pat on the back or a self-bear hug to really acknowledge this win. Why is this important? As we've talked about before, our brains are biologically wired to look for danger or what's wrong. Because of this, we often ignore or pass over the good and don't take time to acknowledge and celebrate what's going well. We all have aspects of health where we are really strong. Let's be looking for them as much as we look for future opportunities to achieve better health. Let's dig in. Over time, there's been much research on so-called blue zones, which are places around the world where residents regularly live beyond 100 years of age, in contrast to the general world life expectancy of 73.4 years. These blue zone locations include Ikaria, Greece, Loma Linda, California, Sardinia, Italy, Okinawa, Japan, and Nicoya, Costa Rica. As we review the top six blue zone habits, be thinking about which of these habits might align with your personal goals. Number one, 
In terms of nutrition, in blue zones, people consume lower amounts of animal-based protein. They enjoy a largely plants-based or Mediterranean diet, beginning with a hearty breakfast to fuel them throughout the day and get their digestive systems moving. In many blue zones, it's common to eat about a cup of beans each day, seen by many nutritionists as the world's top superfood. Blue zone eaters avoid refined foods and limit their shellfish, red meat, pork, and alcohol consumption. How does your diet compare? What shifts could you make to better align with blue zone eating? Check out our episodes with Dr. Susan on nutrition if you want to learn more about what to eat to best support MS health. Number two, another popular aspect of blue zones is that they similarly abide by what the Japanese call ikigai, which means having clarity on our greater life purpose. It's knowing what sparks our soul and pursuing that actively in a focused way to give us reason to get out of bed in the morning. It might be the unique gifts we are positioned with to provide something of benefit to the world through writing, the arts, or through acts of service or other areas of expertise. Having a strong purpose is heavily linked with longevity. To find our purpose, we often need to deeply explore ourselves in new ways, something that modern life doesn't naturally make space for. So it's important that we set aside intentional space to explore what makes us tick and what we'd like our legacy to be. What's your ikigai? If you're not sure, there are many resources available to help us find our ikigai. I also want to mention that the process of finding our purpose in life actually is part of our purpose. According to Ken Wilber's model of human consciousness, throughout our lives, we gradually level up using a process he explains in four steps, wake up, grow up, clean up, and show up. Show up, the final step, is all about our personal commitment to answering the call, to co-create through shared commitment, to become whole, to have our vision and purpose fully integrated and evolved to be a living activist for a cause greater than ourselves, to generate awareness and education, to be a tool for real change, to turn anguish into action, and to engage in compassionate activism through the arts, social justice, and climate awareness. Over time and through life experiences, experimentation, and trial and error, we each figure out what we love and why we're truly here. We discover our unique talents, what brings us joy, and doing so helps us learn what we're meant to do in this lifetime and what our gift to the world as acts of service might be to fill a current need. When we do what we love in a way where we can be compensated fairly for it, that is what is meant by love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Finding meaning gives us fuel to live and helps us especially when navigating challenging times. So if we're feeling listless or depressed, focusing on finding our ikigai can support our mental health and get us to a better place. Check out the misunderstood episode on behavioral activation if you're currently stuck and would like a foolproof way to improve your mental health and overall well-being, as well as get started on working toward achievement of your goals. Our purpose is what ultimately helps us feel connected as humans, as a part of something larger than ourselves. Rather than stressing about finding our purpose, enjoy the journey. 
many highly accomplished folks didn't find their purpose until much later in life. That's natural. And we still have time, despite what our personal saboteurs or social media might lead us to believe. Be patient. Enjoy the journey of internal exploration, and you will find your ikigai. Number three, believe it or not, despite conflicting research out there on the interwebs, many folks in blue zones enjoy daily coffee. Now, some of us with MS might be reactive to coffee, so this, as with all food choices, needs to be determined as safe for us specifically, and the only foolproof way to do this is through an elimination diet. If you're not familiar with an elimination diet, you can find IFM's version available for free download online. And even more recommended is to go through the process with a knowledgeable physician like Dr. Susan Peyrovi or Coach Roberta at TrueMedicineMS.com in their MS Gut Restoration course. If you find that you, like me, can have coffee without negative impact, make sure it's organic, non-GMO, and toxin-free, and also be sure to consume it before 10 a.m. Most people in blue zones begin their day with up to two cups of coffee. Important to note that they drink their coffee black, no added sugars, milks, etc., while we're discussing coffee, I want to share something relevant that impacts my morning coffee drinking. As we wake, our bodies start making the hormone cortisol, which operates like our body's natural caffeine. Our cortisol levels peak typically between 8 and 9 a.m. So something to consider instead of waking up early and immediately brewing a cup of joe is that it might behoove us to actually wait a bit. When we drink coffee too early, we might unintentionally truncate our body's natural cortisol effects, which could then negatively impact our circadian rhythm, metabolism, and energy production. So if you're finding you're struggling with sleep, even though you're drinking your coffee prior to 10 a.m., this might be a variable to consider adjusting. Another option to coffee is tea, which is another blue zone staple. More often than not, it's also important to note that in blue zones, consuming coffee or tea is also a social affair, a time to get together and be in community, which also supports our health and happiness. What do you currently enjoy as a morning beverage? What might you shift to make it a healthier habit? How's your timing in terms of cortisol secretion? And is consuming your coffee or tea something you do alone or in community? Number four, folks living in blue zones engage in regular active community connection. There is no shortage of organized community events that involve coming together to engage in healthy behaviors, whether they be to exercise or play-based or gathering for meals or entertainment. Many blue zoners start each day by enjoying their hearty breakfast, coffee, or tea in good company, which is a very effective way to habit stack healthy blue zone habits. Another possible stack is to get moving early in the day by exercising in community. Even just 20 minutes of low-impact exercise 
yoga, qigong, biking, or walking starts our day off right. In fact, an early morning workout on an empty stomach can actually enhance weight loss and boost our energy generation by encouraging our body to access internal fuel stored in fat rather than energy from what we just ate. As featured in episode one of the show, The Reluctant Traveler with host Eugene Levy, in Finland, one of the happiest countries in the world, by the way, it's customary to congregate first thing in the morning to take a group dip in the chilly coastal waters. Consult Wim Hof if interested in learning more about the benefits of cold water therapy. If we are physically able, aerobic and cardio exercises are the most powerful for optimal brain and body health. They also help lift our mood, clear our mind, and help support healthy cognition as we age. Exercise is most enjoyable with others, and having an exercise buddy or group to start our day in a positive way can further boost our endorphins. How do you connect with others in your community? How often do you connect with others in your community? Do you have connection as an integral part of your daily schedule? How are you habit stacking community with other wellness strategies? If this isn't something you're currently doing, how could you start? Number five, blue zone residents maintain a positive attitude and make a deliberate effort to engage with others in positive ways. Much in life, we cannot control, yet we can control how we react. This too is true with relationships. We can only control how we feel, and yet we can truly brighten someone's day by engaging with them in a positive way, even when their current behavior might make us feel like they don't deserve it and we'd prefer to keep our distance. If you haven't listened to our episode on the PQ Mental Fitness Program, you might want to check it out as this program helps teach us the important mental fitness skill of how to stay in a positive and productive mindset even when those we're engaging with are not. When we start our day like many blue zoners with gratitude and by saying something nice to the first person we see, we brighten their day and ours. These types of interactions are contagious, and kindness like this is a gift that keeps on giving throughout the day as a ripple effect. Positive human connection and an active gratitude practice leads to happier and longer lives. I encourage you to try this approach starting today with the very next person you encounter. Make it a positive interaction and see what happens. Think also in terms of gratitude about someone special to you that you have not engaged with recently. Folks in blue zones prioritize keeping in close communication with people they love. If there is someone in your life that keeps coming to mind yet you haven't reached out in a while, let this be the day you actually do it. You won't regret the connection. And six. Folks in blue zones also prioritize a stress-free lifestyle. While different communities have different patterns of rest, with some choosing a full day and others a portion of each day, what they have in common is that they set aside regular protected time to rest and rejuvenate. Many blue zoners take regular naps to help maintain their energy throughout the day. Do you have a day of rest? or consistent daily scheduled rest? 
How could you shift your must-dos to create protected time to prioritize rest? What other stress-free lifestyle habits do you have? If you'd like to learn more about Blue Zone Living, check out the documentary Live to 100 on Netflix. Now, it's time to narrow our focus and talk about daily habits and routines that can more specifically support our health as people living with MS. Let's start with morning routines. Did you know that one of the most important ways we can start our day is by exposing ourselves to natural light? When we train ourselves to rise with the sun and get early sun exposure, not only are we getting important vitamin D from the master source, the sun itself, of which we are in dire need of as folks living with MS, we are supporting our body's natural circadian rhythm and training it to work optimally so that we are able to be more energetic during the day and can also achieve deeper sleep at night. Since emerging evidence proves these two processes are like two sides of a coin and one is heavily impacted by the other. So, if sleep is currently a struggle, training ourselves to wake early with the sun and getting outside to get our body moving can dramatically assist our efforts in making this shift successfully. When we get outside into sunlight within two hours of waking, studies show we are also actually better able to manage our weight, regardless of what we eat throughout the day. In addition to waking early, one of the more important things we can do is wake with a sense of gratitude and purpose. Like those in blue zones utilizing the Japanese concept of ikigai and actively focusing on what's most important to accomplish in the day ahead, that alone can help us get out of bed eager to start the day and also to prioritize our actions to ensure they're supporting what matters most to us. Once out of bed, a healthy meal is important, unless we are intentionally fasting, which many use as a health-supporting routine. More about that in a moment. A fun breakfast trick I learned from True Medicine's coach Roberta to encourage healthy eating is to ensure that the first thing we put in our mouths in the morning is something green. Maybe it's celery juice, a smoothie, a green apple, but it could also be leftover veggie stir-fry. Be creative. Just because something has traditionally been a dinner-only food, it doesn't mean we can't actually eat it for breakfast. What's most important is that what we eat has three main components, protein, fiber, and healthy fats, rather than refined carbs like pancakes, bagels, muffins, and cereal. Instead, consider eggs, as long as you've done an elimination diet and know you aren't reactive to eggs a few slices of avocado with some walnuts, or Greek yogurt. These foods fill us up and fuel our bodies with the nutrients we need to function favorably. They aid digestion and power up our muscles for the day. If you're interested in intermittent fasting, most popular is fasting for 16 hours, from dinner the previous day to later in the morning the next day. This can help with weight loss goals and also help shift our body's metabolism, amongst other benefits shown in recent studies, like reducing the risk of some cancers. 
arguably even more important than fueling our bodies with healthy foods, is keeping ourselves properly hydrated. The human body is over 60% water, and when we don't get enough, we tend to overeat and experience more headaches and fatigue-related symptoms. We should be drinking half our body weight in pounds of ounces of water each day. So a 180-pound human should ideally drink a minimum of 90 ounces of water each day. As with any behavior tracking, the first step is to track your current daily water intake. I've always loved to drink water, and yet I was surprised when I started tracking to notice that I actually wasn't getting enough. One tip that helps me meet my daily quota is taking a full glass of water to bed the night before. I typically only take a few small sips during the night, so first thing in the morning before I even get out of bed, I drink a full glass of water and get 20 ounces towards my daily quota. How much water do you drink each day? Is it enough? How could you increase your water intake? One tip I like is putting a drop each of high-quality lemon and lime essential oil. I use doTERRA since I know it's safe for internal consumption. I put the oil into one of my early-in-the-day glasses of water. Lemon supports healthy and gentle detox while lime supports lung health. And yet, if I'm honest, mostly I do this too because it makes my water taste like an uplifting, healthy Sprite. And the citrus wakes up my senses for the day. Let's move on to stretching. Strategic stretching and exercising just a bit in the morning can also help us loosen any spasticity and tension we might be experiencing or accumulated during the nighttime sleep and also generate more energy to help us through the day. Just 20 minutes of chair yoga, qigong, or another low-impact movement like walking, water therapy, or biking can add more bars or spoons to our internal batteries and give us more energy to last throughout the day. Taking time to take care of our basic needs like bathing or showering is also important. Often, this can be difficult, especially for those of us who experience heat sensitivity. A suggestion that really helped me is to try a cool bath or shower. Check out Wim Hof's methods for more ideas of how this might work for you. I used to struggle with blow drying my long hair after taking a hot shower, but I find that just a two-minute cold blast at the end of my shower rejuvenates me so much that I'm now able to blow dry my hair with ease. More recently, scientists have been finding more and more evidence that it's actually beneficial to not shower every day. So on those days it feels out of reach, don't fret. We now know that showering too much is actually really tough on our skin, our largest organ, that works so hard to protect us from our environment. Showering daily also stresses our hair. Why? As we wash away any dirt, sweat, products, or pollutants, we are also washing away the naturally occurring oils and beneficial bacteria that keep our skin and hair moisturized and healthy. So, how do we know what's right for us? Experts say we should consider two things, the typical dryness of our skin and scalp, as well as the texture of our hair. Thicker and curlier hair can be wash washed less frequently twice a week should be adequate because the coarseness actually slows down the spread of oil from our roots through our hair. 
This makes a lot of sense. On a personal note, I did find that a handful of years ago when I had horrible neurologic itching, my natural tendency was to wash more often and more vigorously, and that actually ended up exacerbating the issue. Trusting my skin and nourishing it with natural soothing products to support its efforts helped a lot in overcoming those highly irritating and concerning symptoms. Other morning habits to consider, and there are misunderstood episodes on each of these if you'd like to learn more. Symphony of the Cells Essential Oil Applications to Support Various Aspects of MS Health. Oil Pulling for Oral Health and Gentle Detox Support. Salt Float Therapy for Stress Management and Magnesium Muscular Support. And important mental health boosts to get us off to a great start each day, like the PQ Mental Fitness Program, EFT or tapping, self-hypnosis, or gratitude meditation practice. When we prioritize our mental health early in the day, we build internal resiliency, which will help us weather any storms we encounter throughout the day. By releasing central nervous system steam early, we are significantly less likely to lose our cool later in the day. This is why I now spend at least 20 minutes each morning dedicated to PQ Mental Fitness. I've noticed over time that when I skip even a day, I have a much harder time adjusting course during the day when I encounter challenges. Let's briefly talk supplements here since most people take daily supplements with their morning meal. Being a huge fan of Dr. Susan Peyrovi's, I follow her belief that food is the most powerful and effective medicine. So, like her, I'm not into using too many supplements, especially long term. Why? In addition to our bodies being able to access nutrients significantly better through food, the biggest reason I'm not a fan of supplementation is because supplements are largely unregulated, and I've read too many studies proving that what we're told is inside the bottle is actually far from it in upwards of 80% of supplements on the market. So in an effort to achieve better health, we might unintentionally be harming ourselves by putting substances into our bodies that make our liver and other organs have to work even harder to keep everything operating appropriately. That said, I'll mention here that what is recommended for us as folks living with MS, D3 with vitamin K2, omega-3 fish oil, and vitamin B12. If you do take additional supplements, consider using Dr. Susan's full script store through the truemedicinems.com website. There, you'll at least be able to access products that Dr. Susan has vetted and trusts are safe and get a discounted price. Beyond that, know that all proceeds go to providing scholarships for folks in our shared MS community who want to learn from Dr. Susan and would otherwise not be able to afford it. So by us purchasing our supplements from that site, we can help ourselves and others at the same time. Throughout the day, there are several things we can do to support our health. The first is to monitor how much we are sitting. With a sedentary lifestyle, especially for those of us with mobility limitations, we can easily sit the vast majority of the day. It's important we understand how this impacts our health as sitting too much often causes muscle pain, poor circulation, weight gain, and even negatively impacts our vision. 
When we do sit, posture matters. We can find our ideal sitting position by sitting up super straight at the edge of our chair and then release that position by just 10 degrees. If we are slouching more than that, we can expect negative outcomes from sitting too long. Regardless of how great our posture is, experts agree we need to get up and move around at least a little bit every hour. If mobility limitations make this impossible, remember that all movement matters. So if we can't physically get up, still moving our limbs a little will help. If we move around for just two minutes every hour, we lessen the negative impact of sitting by a third. So every little bit helps. If our mobility is seriously limited, there are also guided meditations that stimulate nerve repair that we can do simply by imagining we are moving. Midday strategies that support MS health include first eating a healthy lunch, which should, similarly to our healthy breakfast, fuel our bodies, not fill us with empty calories that don't provide value. If we focus on foods high in protein, fiber, healthy fats, and whole grains, we will be more likely to have enough energy for the rest of the day. I've met a lot of people in our MS community who struggle with fatigue. I certainly used to be one of them before I understood how to discern between foods that fill and foods that fuel. If we eat a carb-heavy meal like pizza, along with a sugar-laden soda, those are empty calories that are not going to provide us with any of the fuel we need. If you're seriously struggling with fatigue, I'd also recommend checking out IFM's Mito Food Plan. That's M-I-T-O. Dr. Susan introduced me to this plan in 2016. I've been eating this way since then, and fatigue is only an issue now if I eat off plan too much. How does it work? The Mito Food Plan focuses on feeding our mitochondria, which are energy producers. It's very sustainable, as Dr. Susan says that 80% adherence is enough to reap the benefits. I can confirm that seems to be correct given my personal experience with following the plan. Throughout the day, it is also highly recommended that we regularly take time out of our daily work to rest our busy minds, get outside for some fresh air, and spend just a few minutes a few times a day engaging in deep breathing to support our parasympathetic system and vagus nerve health. Midday is also a good time to take care of any physical and mental health needs by scheduling regular appointments with care providers. As people diagnosed with MS, we can request ongoing physical therapy. Also known to be helpful is chiropractic, cranial sacral, and acupuncture support. While we need to be careful in direct midday sun, purposefully acclimating to slowly build our temperature resiliency over time can help us expand our zone of comfort. For instance, I used to be most comfortable if we kept our home at 68 degrees. Now, after almost two years of deliberate efforts to expand my comfort zone, I can withstand much warmer and cooler temperatures before I even notice any discomfort or experience flares of my telltale indicator symptoms. To acclimate over time, each afternoon I spend at least 20 minutes in my outdoor sit spot. This is a consistent spot that I hang out every day to clear my mind and rest.
I love how over time, my dog and I have truly become part of the backyard ecosystem. Even the birds now completely accept us as just a part of the natural environment. In full transparency, taking a break like this used to be really tough. Thoughts were jumping around nonstop in my monkey brain. But over time, and with the help of PQ, learning self-hypnosis, and the plethora of awesome free guided meditations on YouTube, I've slowly learned to clear my mind and truly be in the moment. It's glorious. The middle of the day is also a great time to get in some additional movement, whether it's taking a short walk or actively engaging with a virtual exercise program like the MS Gym or the MS Fitness Challenge. Taking time to focus on simply moving our bodies can help us recharge our batteries for the remainder of the day. These breaks also give our eyes a screen break and help us avoid eye strain. This is critical for our community since so many of us experience optic neuritis and other visual disturbances. Even when we can't get outside, we can incorporate an eye rest break by utilizing the 20-20-20 rule. This means that ideally, every 20 minutes, we look at something at least 20 feet away for 20 seconds. This helps reset our eye's ability to focus. If we find ourselves desiring an afternoon snack, it's important we make a good choice, like fruit, nuts, Greek yogurt, or healthy peanut butter. If we plan ahead to have these healthy, fueling foods on hand, rather than impulse buy unhealthy choices, we'll be much better off. For anyone who experiences an afternoon energy slump, in addition to exercise and fueling snacks, popping a peppermint beadlet of food-grade pure peppermint essential oil into our mouths and taking a few deep breaths can energize us even more than a cup of coffee. While tempting, caffeine anytime after 10 a.m. dramatically impacts our ability to obtain deep restorative sleep at night. This is true even if we feel like we're sleeping just fine, since caffeine stays in our bloodstream for quite some time. In addition to negatively impacting our sleep, did you know that too much caffeine can trigger headaches, migraines, GI distress, irritable mood, and even muscle tremors? As we transition into later in the day, for those of us still working, we can use our commute home to intentionally decompress so we don't physically or emotionally bring our work home with us and can actually give ourselves the break we need each day to disconnect from our work, to recharge for the next day, and to better connect with our family members. If we work from home, or even if we're no longer working, Developing a routine that helps us transition into evening is smart. Lastly, let's not forget the importance of experiencing joy and laughter in our lives. While it would be nice if these happened organically throughout each day, if we find we are not experiencing regular joy or laughter, we can set aside some time each day to watch comedy or partake in some laughter therapy. Yes, that exists. Check out YouTube for some free programming options. Did you know? Our body's physiological response to laughter is the same, regardless of if it's organic laughter or artificially generated. So even if we have to fake it, the act of laughing helps. 
Let's now look at some nighttime routines that support MS health. Let's start with eating a healthy dinner, ideally with little to no alcohol, and consuming that dinner at least three full hours before we plan to sleep. If we eat out, planning to eat just a half or two-thirds of our plates and bringing the rest of it home is a good rule of thumb given the extreme increase in portion sizes over the last 40 years. Dinner should not be our largest meal. Whatever we do during the evening, it's important to have a plan in place to prepare for sleep, since this is a significant area of struggle for many of us. And since we're trying to heal, we are ideally getting 8 to 10 hours of sleep each night. Here's the thing. We can't just do whatever we'd like and then expect we'll be able to sleep once our head hits the pillow. Very few of us are like that. If we engage in activities that invigorate us after dinner, like heavy exercise, or spend extended time under bright fluorescent lighting, or watch intense adrenaline-inducing media, this can also negatively impact our ability to sleep well. So too can be engaging with people with whom we have difficult relationships, or watching the news, which is more often than not quite fear-based. 56% of the general public reports using ongoing sleep aids, with about 50% using melatonin, which has been in the news quite a bit these past few years. If you currently use melatonin or are interested in starting, I highly recommend checking out the Empowering Neurologist, episode 155, called Melatonin, Why All the Interest, with Dr. Deanna Minich. Watching this video a few weeks ago, upon Dr. Susan's recommendation, convinced me to start a melatonin regimen, specifically to use Herbatonin by Symphony. It's a very low-dose, plant-based melatonin for extended use. That's really important because of the way this particular melatonin interacts in the body, creating a healthy melatonin-vitamin D loop to support our bodies through the light and dark portions of our days and nights. And while I've only used it so far for a few weeks, I do believe it's further supported my circadian rhythm and helped me be able to maximize my sleeping time and still be able to get up by 5 a.m. with an energetic puppy, something that used to be impossible before I got my circadian rhythm dialed in this past year. An important note here is that many people are taking way more melatonin than recommended. This can inadvertently disrupt our body's natural circadian rhythm, which then creates an even bigger problem for us over time. Another behavior that impedes our ability to obtain a high level of quality sleep is blue light. Blue light from screens is highly stimulating to our brains. It's recommended that we refrain from screens for at least two hours before we go to bed, and at an extreme minimum of 30 minutes. Now, if you're like me, two hours is just not realistic for my family. They've adjusted course so much for me to help support my healthy MS habits over time, and this is one area I'm honestly not able to shift for everyone right now. That said, I still know it's important, so there are some things I do do that help. First, I wear my Neurotint lenses after sunset. 
Our Google Home is programmed to turn on our kitchen lights at 20% intensity in a gentle, soothing amber color called chocolate upon sunset. So the timing shifts a few minutes each night as the seasons change, which is also a nice way to remain aligned with nature's patterns of natural light. Once our lights go on, that's my cue to put on my neurotint lenses if we are watching screens. You can achieve similar eye protection using FL41 lenses, widely available in many styles. More and more, we are also trying to spend the last 30 minutes before bed outside on our patio stargazing. The night sky helps prepare our brains and bodies for sleep. My hope is that over time we'll increase this routine to nightly, as right now it's just a couple of times each week. I'm finding it's also helping our little pup get out the last minute wiggles and anything left in his bladder, so it's definitely a win-win routine for us. On the rare occasion I need to access any screens throughout the night, I keep my neurotint lenses handy. And if I truly can't sleep and need a distraction for a bit before attempting sleep again, using YouTube or PQ guided meditations or reading a non-stimulating paper book with my night owl amber light typically helps soothe me back to sleep. The last aspect of sleep preparation I'll mention here is thought hygiene. I use the PQ program to help me maintain healthy and productive thoughts throughout the day and avoid pointless worry and rumination, which I'm genetically wired to do. But this isn't just to ensure I have great days. It also has a big impact on my sleep. Why? Well, one thing that happens when we're asleep is that our brain reviews all of our thoughts from the day and organizes everything into our longer-term memory storage parts of our brain. So, when I have a day where I really struggle with keeping my thoughts productive, my brain has to review all that negativity again at night, impacting my sleep so it has double the negative impact. Ick, no thanks. For the last few hours of the night, another skill I learned from the PQ program that has made a big difference for me is refraining from any activity that is brain activating. For example, I no longer do any future planning late at night. I also do not do any reflecting or ruminating on the past. I try to stay in the moment and be present with my family. This is really important because then when the lights go out, I can much more easily tune into my body and deep breathing, which helps me achieve sleep much sooner than when I used to engage in a daily gratitude practice late at night or spend time mapping out my tomorrow. If you want to learn more about the PQ Mental Fitness Program, check out episode 69. I'm offering one more cohort of PQ this calendar year, likely starting mid-October. Reach out if interested, or complete the brief interest survey on our Patreon page. I hope you found it helpful to learn about the recommended daily routines that support good health, both in general what we're able to learn from Blue Zone residents and what's specifically recommended for those of us living with MS. I hope we all, one, Understand that our current bad habits aren't anything to feel guilty about, 
and that once we understand their origin, we can learn to dismantle these unhealthy behavior loops and replace them with healthier options using the tag trigger action gain method. Two, that if we struggle with habit change, we consider using the book Better Daily Self-Care Habits by Dr. Cicely Horton Braithworth as a reliable roadmap for success. Three, that we consider implementing the many suggested healthy habits proven by blue zoners to improve general longevity and those that specifically support MS health. And four, that our systems of behavior change matter. And when we are able to make a habit an automatic routine through habit stacking, it makes it a lot easier to achieve our goals and to find the desired bandwidth to handle and manage other facets of life more effectively and efficiently. To continue the conversation on goal setting and achievement, including the eight dimensions of wellness framework, blue zone habits, and daily routine recommendations for folks with MS, consider attending our monthly flock meetings the first Saturday of each month via Zoom. If you're not yet a flock member but would like to be, please join us. We are all people living with MS that meet via Zoom monthly to support each other and continue our learning on the episode topics. We also support each other through hardships and celebrate our successes together. You can learn more and join us by visiting our Patreon page. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with MS-related questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another, and honking our encouragement. As always, thank you for listening, and until next time, be well.